heard him before, you remember you are not on a cruise ship, right? You're on a fishing boat, and we expect you to work. And I expect that the message today will be something very similar to that. I'm sure, I'm sure that Pastor Olson here is not going to be easy on us. So please welcome him today, would you? Trying to come up with another analogy. Not on a scooter, you're not a tandem. Uh, you're not on a. Anyway, I can't. <clears throat> Who made those little kebab things this morning? My, my, uh, my congratulations. Hey, they're, they're terrific, especially if you take them all off in one point so you get the combined flavor of, 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 a, a, of a green olive and a grape at the same time with the other stuff on. That was good. So whoever did that, thank you. <clears throat> I didn't have, when I'm speaking, I don't really have uh, a whole lot of appetite, but I could have sent Carol back for 10 more of those. So, uh, but anyway, it was, it was, it was good. <clears throat> I'm wearing a tie this morning because, uh, well, actually because uh, yeah, two silkworms wanted to have a race. They tied, and I think this is it. Actually, uh, I, I, I found last week that trying to keep this mic from sliding down, it does much better on a necktie, so this shirt doesn't even warrant a, a necktie, but I just thought I'd wear it to, uh, to be able to hold up the, the mic properly. Lord, we come to you this morning. We recognize that today is the 21st anniversary of a very, very sad day in American history. And we want to acknowledge that you didn't stop being God on that day. You're still God. We don't know what in your eternal purpose that day 9-11 represented. But Lord, we just want to be able to be faithful. We know that the country didn't necessarily show any great turnaround or repentance or falling on their knees for very long anyway. And the country is still in turmoil, still full of haters, one side and the other. Lord, we, we ask you to help us to be faithful in whatever the context is. As this country evolves, goes forward, or goes backward, help us to be faithful with the days, the moments we have, and whatever comes before us and as we remember what happened 21 years ago today. Lord, as we come to the message, pray, as was prayed before, that these will end up being a communication from you. In Jesus' name, amen. A while back, Carol and I were up... Um, up uh, at Clear Creek, um, there's, there's just a couple spots where you can sit in your car right by, right, you know, close to it, right by the walking path. You know, on the other side of the sports field, you know, and uh, there, before you get to the RV park, Carol and I had walked our dog. <clears throat> I mean, we're major hikers. We walked down and across the bridge, back up again across the bridge, and we needed a nap. So, 
So we uh, rolled down the windows of the car and we were beginning to take a nap uh, in the car listening to the rushing river and the rushing Clear Creek in front of us. And we turned our radio on to uh, XM where uh, a, a program called, uh, I mean a station called SPA. And I was just getting ready to doze off and a soft lady's voice comes on the radio and says, align your hopes with the universe. That ruined my nap. I couldn't sleep after I thought, what? I put my seat back up straight again. I thought, what? Align your hopes with the universe. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. High up in the sky, so bright. Could you bring me some Twinkies tonight? I mean, align your hopes with the universe. What garbledy goop. I mean, that's like paleontology, which has opted for this thing called natural science. And, and the word natural is the bad word there. Natural science means you cannot take into consideration God at all. You, so in natural science, now in natural science, you cannot acknowledge that there is any power greater than bugs and, and genes and stuff like that. You can't acknowledge any power greater than that. And as a result of that, some of the stupidest things that have ever come out under the name of science have come out. Align your hopes with the universe. Big Bang. Bigger Big Bang. Bigger, bigger, biggest Big Bang over the years, getting further and further and further out. <clears throat> but they never could get past what was before the Big Bang. There had to be something before the Big Bang. So they came up with something. Mother Universe. Now, Mother Universe keeps birthing, calving, is what they call it, calving baby universes. So you can just go back, and the Mother Universe calves a baby universe, and another baby universe, and another. But who was before Mom? Who was before Mother Universe? They still can't figure that. But align your hopes with the universe. The Apostle Paul says, if we have been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. And then chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it, with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now that has some sense to it. Now first of all, the first phrase there, if we've been raised up with Christ. Now that, based on the end of the previous chapter, just means if you're a Christian. And it says, then now, the, the, the two verses, let's look at, uh, at chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 first. The two verses have two action statements in it. Keep seeking the things above and um, set your mind on things above. 
you have those two action statements that are there. Now, <clears throat> based on the previous verses at the end of chapter 2, which we won't take a look at, those two action statements, before we look at them, we have to see what they were coming out of. They were coming out of a wrong line of thinking, a wrong perspective. So, so this, this is in, stated in contrast to the wrong perspective at the end of chapter 2. So look, let's take a look at just basically what the wrong perspective means, looking at those action words. Keep seeking. Now, first of all, keep seeking is only one word uh, in the... Um, in the Greek, there's no equivalent, uh, in the English, there's no equivalent for what is there. It just basically means to seek, but the tense of the verb makes it end up having to be keep seeking, ongoing, ongoing things. So keep seeking things above. The flip side of that, from the standpoint of the baseline that we're coming out of chapter 2 on, would basically be keep seeking earthly things. Keep seeking, keep seeking worldliness keep seeking it. So basically that's where, where the, 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 the mind, the contrast that is being set up here in chapter 2. Well, what are, now this is an interactive question and I told you last week, uh, don't raise your hand to answer a question, uh, just, just shout it out, okay? Um, but what, what is the world looking for? I mean, as you've looked around the world, as you've lived, and as you've looked at the world around you, and maybe as you looked at where you were before Christ came into your life. Well, what is the world looking for? What are they seeking? Keep seeking. What is, what is the, the negative side of that that we're coming out of here in this statement? What's the world looking for? More money. Yeah, money, more money. Somebody said fame? Selfishness? That's all women. No, men don't have any thoughts? No, we're just here. We're sitting in our empty boxes. Blink, blink your eyes two or three times and, come and join the service. Say what? We want power. Absolutely, men want power. Uh, and the thing is, we're in a Baptist church, so we don't say the word sex, so I won't say the word sex. What else? What do people want? What are they looking for? Say what? Comfort. Yep. Say what? Yeah, all the above. Can't, can't hear the exact words there. But one of the, I mean, I found in 45 years of counseling, I, I didn't, I never abdicated counseling because um, it was something I felt the Word of God probably had the answers, you know, when people came to me to counsel. So after 45 years, all those things, all those things. But also people want to want to be acknowledged. They want to be heard and listened to considered to have some value. Now this next question is not interactive. Um, I don't want you to shout it out. But what are you looking for? Now I, I, I want you to actually think about that. Just think about it for a moment. Take a moment. What have you been looking for? What are, I mean look at you, be honest. I mean the, the, the word here, God can only work if we're honest. What if, honestly, what have you look, been looking for? What have you looked for to this point in your life? I mean, sometimes, sometimes if, uh, that's a difficult question um, to be able to answer because if the answer hasn't always been nice. I mean, what you were looking for before Christ is, is just really doesn't matter at this point. 
But since you've been a Christian, how has that gone? Has your perspective changed? Has it improved? Now, the other negative side of the two action statements, the one is keep, um, keep seeking the things above, and we talked about uh, the, uh, but the, let's talk about set your mind on earthly things. Now, that's not what that passage is saying. It's saying to not, but the negative side of that, coming out of the perspective of chapter 2, um, set your mind on... Set your mind on what does the world, again, shout it out, what, what is the world thinking about? What's, what's in their thoughts? What's on their mind? What's on the world's mind? Say what? Yeah, 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 everything, me, me, and mine. Social media? Remember how social media began with MySpace? On an iPhone? I mean, talk about me, I, me, and my. So <clears throat> what, what, what is, in social media, and, and, uh, and what are they following on, what are people thinking about following on social media? I mean, you know I'm, I'm right. <coughs> <coughs> you see some kids sitting somewhere. What are they all doing? Uh, you, you go into a restaurant. People come in, they're seated, and they get their stuff. They look at the menu. What do they do? They pull their phones out. I mean, everybody there, what are, what are people thinking about on social media? What's in their minds? We, we, we have to, look, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, when he went to Athens, he didn't go, go shopping to figure out what people liked. It says that, that he went around and he looked at what their idols of worship were. In order to be able to understand Athens before you ended up on the Acropolis uh, uh, to uh, to, to t talking to the, uh, uh, the people, he wanted to understand what they were thinking, what they were working on. And it broke his heart, but he walked around and looked at the We need to know what people are thinking. Well, what are people thinking? We want to avoid it because it's stuff that we don't want our minds on, but we need to know. If we're going to reach the lost, we, and if the church is going to be relevant, we have to know, what are people thinking? What are they thinking about? What are they stewing on? Talk to me. Climate change, very good. There's a, a, a and and the, and this is driven by the media, always driven by the media, uh, one thing after another, and a lot of things. I mean, take for example, uh, take for example, what has been driven by the media, the, the logic of, if you're if you're a little boy, and you want to be, you can just say I'm a little girl, and now I'm a little girl, because I think I want to say that I'm a little girl. And now, uh, because I identify as a little girl. I mean, think about these things. I mean, where the Bible tells us that, that in the last days, the people will take the, what is wrong and say it's right, and things that are right, and they'll say it's wrong. I mean, what are people thinking about? That's always driven by the media. Like, <coughs> if, if the media wasn't saying it, and famous people weren't saying it, I mean, take, for example, the president that stood up and said that men can have babies. That's never happened and never will happen, but it, but it, it fits into that whole narrative. The whole idea is, what are people thinking about? They're thinking about stuff that's driven many times by the media, telling you how to think, whether it has any logic or not. Of course, that fits with paleontology too, doesn't it? As far as where you just don't have to, um, you're not really scientific and look at all options. You look at all options except for those. And then they call it science. So I guess we're used to that. It's been happening for some time. 
But what are people thinking about? I'm going to not say the word sex again because we don't say that in Baptist churches. But yes, they are not thinking about, yes, they are thinking about that um, because that's a major issue. There have even been tests about how much people think about it. And now it's more and more and more. So much is driven by that. I mean, even what I just talked about, all of that's driven by that one, the one subject of sexuality. What are people thinking about? And, and so this, this passage is the flip side of that. This passage is get your mind out of that. As a believer, and again, this is not interactive because I wouldn't tell you what I'm thinking about, but I want you to stop for a moment and think, what have you been thinking about this last week? What has, been, what has been driving you? Do you have an obsession? Is there anything that's obsessing you? I want to, I, over years as a, as a pastor and a church planter and having been on the mission field <coughs> for a number of years and having planted my first church on the mission field, I want to tell you, demons are real. Now, we're not, we're not people that find demons behind every bush. Uh, demons do not have ready access to believers. But one of the ways they get access to believers is when a believer starts obsessing. Are you obsessing about anything? If you do, you need to confess it, even if it is something that might even seem like it's a halfway decent thing. Your obsessions are really dangerous giving access. Now, demons, a, a believer cannot be demon-possessed in my understanding of the scripture. But we can be harassed. And one of the ways we get open that door for harassment is by obsessing. What are you thinking about? Now let's look back at the text. In the text, the subject of the passage, a subject of these two verses, we'll get, we may or may not have time to get to verse 3, I mean to chapter 4, verse 2, of uh, the third verse. Um, but the subject of these first two verses, the issue there is where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, the right hand of God tells us about where Christ is seated. So that's not the main subject here. The main subject is where Christ is seated at the right hand. Now, what do we learn about that? First of all, he is seated. Therefore, uh, that, that's telling us that his work, the work of atonement is done. That's the seated part. And at the right hand of, the, of God tells us what? We're sitting at the right hand of God of the majesty, sitting at the right hand of the majesty tells us what? Number one, and what else? Authority. Okay, he's authority and power. His position at the right hand. So uh, even that is a description of Jesus Christ, all right? Keep seeking things above where Christ is. And uh, what else do we know about Christ? Now, uh, turn your Bible. If you had, did anybody actually carry a Bible with paper pages and stuff in it, in, if not, or even your phone? Uh, look over at Second uh, uh, Timothy chapter two, verse five. Uh, just look at it. Somebody look at. It. Uh, I I didn't put it up on the screen, but just uh, uh, take a look at it. Second Timothy, chapter two, verse five. What does it tell us? Again, this is a this is a question. What does it tell us about Jesus on high? In this role, what new thing does it tell us in in Second uh, Timothy chapter two verse five? What new thing does it tell us about him? It's what he's called. What? The man, Christ Jesus. 
There's one God and one mediator. Of course, mediator, uh, it, it tells us a little bit more of it, but uh, that he's the man, Christ Jesus. Now, <coughs> so, is that first Timothy 2? Well, read my mind. Read my mind. Don't listen to my words. Okay, he's called the man. We have one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Now go back, go back to our passage up there. The, uh, the, he is uh, seated at the right hand, but he is the man, Christ Jesus, the mediator. Why is that important? Uh, we, just, we need to realize, and I'm not sure that we all actually, we know it, but do we cognitively have it settled in our mind that Jesus when he came as God into the body of a, first of all, uh, an embryo, and then a baby, he was making a commitment to forever be man. He is God, but he is forever man. He, when he, we have been raised up with him, the beginning, beginning of verse one. And he is in the resurrected body that we are going to have. We are going to have resurrected bodies just like his. His is seated at the right hand, but as men, as human beings, uh, we will see him because we will be like him. Jesus is forever the man Christ Jesus. And that's a great thing. You know why it's a great thing? Hebrews chapter four tells us that <coughs> he has been tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. When we come before him, he knows. He knows and he understands. So when the Apostle Paul is telling us, get your mind on something important, get your mind off of dumb stuff, and, 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 and value those things that are important, those things are, this is Christ, the one with all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth, him. And he is still the man, Christ Jesus, and he knows and he understands. He has all authority and he has all power. He is worthy of our thoughts. He's worthy of our minds being focused on him. Keep seeking what is valuable to Christ. Keep seeking what is valuable. What is valuable to Christ? Well, certainly our services, we can, we'll get to the thought in a minute, but our service is valuable to Christ. Living your life, that's all you have. You have today, you have these moments. There's a song that says, we have these moments to hold in our hand, to touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. Yesterday's gone, and tomorrow may never come. But we have these moments today. What do you have? You have this moment. We have these moments. That's what we have. That's what God has given us. So keep seeking that are the values that are his values. It's hard to do. It's hard to comprehend because life can get tough. It can get bad. It can get weird. Let's, let's take for a moment, let's think about Joseph. <coughs> we all know his story, so I'm, I'm taking his story. So 13 years from the time he gets his little robe thing, uh, a robe of many colors, to the time he ends up uh, as the second most powerful man on earth. Uh, roughly 13 years, all right? Or at least roughly 13 years from the pit. But uh, for, uh, probably about 13 years, uh, 13, 14 years from the time he gets his robe to where he ends up being the mo second most powerful man on earth. 
Okay, during that period of time, we say, that was God's plan. Yay, God! That was your plan. Good plan, God. You saved the world. You saved the, the, the family line of the seed of the Messiah. Good job. But think about Joseph's life in the middle of it. Joseph didn't ask for that coat that caused his brothers to be jealous. Joseph didn't ask to go and find his brothers. Joseph didn't ask to have his coat ripped off of him and blood put on it and for him to be thrown into a pit. Joseph didn't ask to become a slave, a privileged young man who ends up being a slave walking through the desert in ropes or chains, probably with bare feet. History tells us that in the slave auctions in Egypt at the time, you were stripped naked and treated like you're an animal and your muscles were felt and all that kind of stuff before you were sold. He didn't ask to be humiliated like that. He didn't ask to go through the false accusation of Potiphar's wife. He didn't ask to, to be the good guy in prison <coughs> serving out a, term, out a term totally forgotten. He didn't ask to interpret those dreams. He didn't ask to be called up to the Pharaoh. See, what it boils down to is God has his plan for your life. You and I have to, to be involved in God's greater plan that he has using our life. And we are different types of vessels for different types of things. I got my stuff that God has called on me to do. Carol and I have our life that we've been called on to live together. But that's, that's God's plan. But we still have to live life in the middle of it. We have to go through COVID. We have to go through uh, issues with... with uh, uh, family members and stuff, just like anybody else. What it boils down to is we are we're essentially living life within the context of God's larger plan for our life. And that's why we keep seeking the things above, all the way through it. Joseph kept his focus on the God of the universe, creator of heaven and earth. Joseph kept his perspective on things above, and no matter what he was going through awful in life and all the stuff that he went through and in retrospect was very, very faithful in all of it, he was in the middle of the plan that God was working out. And each one of us have to recognize God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, as Campus Crusades used to say. God loves you. And he's got a wonderful plan for your life, but you've got to live your own life, the, the ups, the downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly, through the middle of it, and keep looking up. Keep that perspective of things above where Christ is, where it's, your life is being lived to try and please Christ. He's the one with all the authority and all the power. And he is the son of man. He understands. When you confess, he knows. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, he knows. And then it's set your mind on things above. Set your mind. Basically, again, it's two words in the English, but it's one word in the, in the uh, Greek. And it's basically to think, to ponder, to consider. Consider things above. Consider things above where Christ is. How do we do that? Well, one of the ways is what we're doing here this morning. Um, one of the ways is various kinds of worship, including the worship of music. Um, I grew up 
on the, with a lot of the old hymns, uh, a lot of choruses as well in Africa, a lot of choruses. Um, and choruses, some of the choruses we haven't heard here. Uh, but uh, the, uh, I, I grew up in, and, uh, but, and a lot of the old hymns and, and uh, my spiritual psyche checks into the rhythm and the rhyme of the old hymns, which were mostly doctrine. But have you noticed that the newer songs, many of them are sung to God. They are songs of direct worship. Uh, that's why I've ended up starting raising my hands uh, when, uh, when we sing, <coughs> especially certain of the songs that are songs to, to God, specifically because Timothy, uh, Paul tells Timothy, uh, raise holy hands when you pray. And uh, so I, I, I find it quite comfortable in the songs that are basic. So many of the songs are prayers. So yeah, I mean, as far as uh, thinking, as, uh, things that are above, the, the, all those things count, including um, Bible studies together, where you are interacting with others and their thoughts and their perspectives and evaluating. And other times where you are reading with comprehension the Word of God. Now, I've done the year, uh, uh, Bible in a year thing a bunch of times. And uh, it's good, but only do it if, you're, if you read with comprehension. Um, your Bible reading needs to be with comprehension. It needs to be affecting your mind. Uh, these ads on TV for Bible to go to sleep with. I don't know, maybe that's good. I guess it's better than going to sleep with anxiety. But uh, you turn the Bible on so you can go to sleep. Um, you need to read with comprehension and study the word. And that's as far as the setting your mind on, on, on things above and how, how the Lord works that out in your lives. As, it, as you set your mind on the things above and uh, not on the things of the earth. Now, one of the other ways we find in our third uh, verse there, which is from chapter four, and, and this is a wonderful passage on prayer, but only taking one verse out of it. <coughs> Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Incredible teaching on prayer coming in subsequent verses here, but just that. Devote, what are you devoted to? What am I devoted to? Um, in, uh, in the book of Acts, the, 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 you know, wish we were like the early church. Well, you know, devote yourself to prayer. Uh, Acts chapter 1. This, that, is that statement, same statement, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 6, at least three times where the exact statement, devote yourself to prayer, in, the, in those verses. There are other places where it shows their devotion, like in Acts chapter 4, after they've been, they've been beaten, the first thing they do is they come back and pray. And in Acts chapter 12, when Peter's in prison, what, what do they do? They're gathered in Mar John Mark's house, and they're praying. So what it boils down to is that if we want to look at the early church and say, wow, the early church was really something else, uh, Rick Warren uh, I, I said that, and I haven't checked this out, but he said, according to the theologians and, and books that he has read, it was about 12 years from the Great Commission to, uh, to, act to, to the stoning of Stephen, which, began, which ends Acts chapter 7 and begins Acts chapter 8. About 12 years, and he says, estimates are as high as a quarter million people had come to Christ in Jerusalem during that period of time. 
I wonder what their trick was. Devote yourselves to prayer. I mentioned somebody in passing in the Sunday school class earlier on, uh, D. Duke, a friend of mine, and he's one of our instructors in our program. And um, he was pastor of a, of a little church, very small little village church in Jefferson, Oregon. He went to a pastor's retreat, and he was discouraged. He had been there for a few years. Uh, he had, uh, you know, had Bible school and seminary, and he was discouraged, and the church was going nowhere. And he was basically angry at God and everything. And this uh, guy speaking at this pastor's retreat basically challenged them to pray and told of his own, some of his own stories. So D. Duke was out on the beach, at Kenna Beach, and uh, walking, and he just said, Lord, if it's true, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. If it's, if it's true, I'll go on. If it's not true, I'm done. So he went home, and he made a commitment to personally pray an hour a day. Uh, he got his church uh, people praying. It took a period of time, but he got, he got them praying. And, and uh, he got them praying, and as they uh, started praying, now his church, a number of years later, probably... I don't know how many years later. Now his church um, is bigger than the town. Um, this little humble little church in Little Jefferson, Oregon, is over 2,000 people. On top of that, they've planted 10 churches in neighboring towns. Um, has D. Duke changed? No, he's still an old shoe. Just an old shoe, bad shirts, jeans. Um, even his lecture is good by content, but from the standpoint of even the lecture he does, some people find it boring because it's just an old shoe. He doesn't have power. He just knows how to pray. He's devoted to prayer. And that's, that's the bottom line. Now they, and they have, they're the church, <clears throat> another, uh, I was at a, at a conference at, at Willow Creek years ago uh, when uh, it was a leadership conference and they had a Korean pastor up there to speak. And this Korean pastor uh, had uh, taken the church from nothing to over 6,000 people in, in a matter of just a decade or two. And he stands up there and he says, Now, you are all here because you want to hear how, what things I did, what our programs were to take us from zero to 6,000. He says, But I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to start talking and telling you. And you all have your pens out and your notebooks. But when I start telling you, you'll put your pens away. He prayed. He started talking. And he told them that their church prays for two hours in the morning and two hours at night. People put their pens away. We don't want to hear that. We want a quick fix. We want a program. We want a system. We want to be able to hire staff. Devote yourselves to prayer. He was asked in, the, in this verse, it says, with an attitude, <clears throat> excuse me, um, devote yourselves uh, to prayer and, uh, and basically have expectations. Um, Hebrews 11, 1 says, and it's a very difficult verse, Hebrew, uh, and it's lots of different translations, and they you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which basically means, what do, you, what do you expect of God? Your faith is what you expect of God. And he, he, he told, he said, 
the reason that we have people coming out both morning and evening, some just in the morning, some just in the evening, but they're coming out to pray and they're coming out faithfully every single time that they can is because they expect and they see God doing mighty things. So we need to be devoted to prayer and have an attitude of expectation as well as an attitude of thanksgiving, which we won't take much time on. I just want to say, the people that you know, would you think that they would say that you're a thankful type of person? That you're a thankful, grateful type of person? Grateful for life, grateful for what, for what you have? If not, you probably are not living a life that's in gratitude to God either. Because I have found, without exception, that people who live a life of gratitude, with an attitude of gratitude towards God, are seen as very grateful, good, happy people. So are you devoted to prayer? Do you have expectations that God is going to answer? Are you a grateful believer in what God has provided for you? That is all a part of seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It's all a part of setting your minds on things above. Guys, it's a matter of perspective. Eternity's values. Remember Stephen being stoned at the uh, end of Acts chapter 7? Um, in that section, I think it starts about 41 through the end of the chapter. In that, in that section, Stephen being stoned, what did he do? What did Stephen do? This is a question. What did Stephen do uh, when he was being stoned? What did he do? He went. He prayed. And what else? He looked up at Christ. He lifted his perspective. He looked up at Christ. <clears throat> and he raised his perspective. He, he, his thoughts were above. His mind was above. And the very last verse of that chapter says, Lord, don't put this in that charge. They don't know what to do. If they, they can't see you, of course they don't know what you're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They can't see you. It's a matter of perspective. We call it eternity's values. Anybody know that old hymn? My mom used to sing it. She was a soloist. She used to sing, With eternity's values in view, dear Lord. It was a great song for missionaries going to the field. I'm going to the field with eternity's values. I pray those terms almost every day. I pray for the church in China and North Korea and Afghanistan, Iran and Pakistan and Ukraine and Russia and a few other places. And I'm praying every day, Lord, give them, in the midst of their persecution and suffering, give them eternity's values. Help them to look up. Help them to see what Stephen saw. What are you going through? What's the stuff of your life? Look up. Take a glimpse of eternity's values. Dear Jesus, there you are, seated. The work of redemption is done. You have all authority in heaven and on earth. And you're waiting for us to call on you. Waiting for us to call on you. Lord, help us to learn how to live out your end game 
while we are living our day-to-day experiences. 